Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Christian living. I, I've been thinking about this all morning as I got up a little earlier than I probably normally do to make sure that I was <clears throat> coffee ready and uh, all my joints were flexible and warmed up and ready to go. And I got to thinking, you know, there's many different lifestyles. There's many life choices. There's many things that people in this world today, all you have to do is look around you. Many things that they choose to believe. Many things that they choose to do. Uh, some do so because it's what their parents taught them. Some do so because it's the opposite of what their parents taught them. Some do so because they found God and they believe in His Word. Some do so because they don't know any different. But there's many, many lifestyle choices that can and are made every day by you, by me, and by the people that we're around. But when I look at the Word of God, I only see one option. All of the multiple choice falls off the list. And that's what we're talking about today. I'm, I'm not here today, and I know Pastor hasn't been in, at, at any time preceding this morning's uh, time together. I'm not here today to promote my own personal agenda. I'm not here to talk about my opinions. I'm here today to talk to you about the Word of God. Because the Word of God does not present us with a multiple choice list. There is one life to live if we're going to live it right. And according to the Word of God, it is living for Him. And that takes on even its own definition in some circles. But we must point our attention back to God's Word to see what does it mean. What does it mean for Christian living? And when we look at the Word of God, I, I want to break it down for you this way. When we talk about looking at a holy life or the Word of God, let's look at the Gospels for, for an example. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are written as testimonies of the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. And it's almost as if uh, me, Brother James, Brother Fred, and Brother Mike were all together with Jesus. Well, wouldn't that be something? And I don't know which one of us is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It doesn't make any difference right now. But it's just imagine for a moment that the four of us was with him. I can guarantee you that our personal accounts coming out of it. Brother James is going to remember something I didn't. Brother Fred's going to catch something that, that I, I might not have seen because I had my eye turned looking at the Mediterranean Sea. And Brother, Brother Mike might have heard something, or, or he might have missed something actually, that, that some of the rest of us heard, so it might not be in his account, but all four of us sit down afterwards and write our summaries of what we witnessed about Jesus. 
That's what the Gospels are. It is the testimony account of what they saw, heard, felt, and witnessed in their time with Jesus. Then we move on to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts gives us a record on how the apostles obeyed the teachings of Jesus. And how they established the church. The Gospels, it's a testimony of Jesus. When we get to Acts, the church is established. And we start seeing how the apostles and the disciples are going to live based on those testimony accounts. Because it's not just a testimony account. Their time with Jesus changed their life. And if we were to take a poll this morning, I think we would have a resounding yes that we're here today because our encounter with Jesus Christ changed our life. And we keep coming back, and our point of reference on our beginning in the church also starts in the book of Acts with the infilling of His Spirit. And then we turn to the book of Romans, and we see Romans through Jude, known as the Epistles. They are the teachings of the apostles. But understand one thing very clearly. And I want, to say this, uh, I want to say this respectfully this morning, but there are some people that try to take their salvation plan out of Romans through Jude. Romans through Jude, when it talks about, uh, I think it's in the book of Romans, Bishop, whenever he says, believe on the Lord with all of your heart and you'll be saved. That's not a salvation verse. It's not. So in circles, and, I, and again, I say this respectfully, but I'm talking about the Word this morning, not, not my opinion. In the Word, if we look at the Word for what it is today, that's not a verse that implies that to be saved, all you have to do is believe. Believing is the first step to an action that's found in the book called Acts, that where the church was established, so was my salvation. Romans through Jude are epistles or letters from the apostles to the church, to those that are already believers. So whenever he says, believe on the Lord and, and, and all your heart, and I don't remember all the verbiage this morning off the top of my head, but whenever he says, believe and you'll be saved, he's saying, keep believing. You're going to keep saved if you keep believing because you've got to hold on to what you've already got. <coughs> So when we talk about Christian living today, a whole lot of that <coughs> excuse me, is found in the epistles because they are teachings to us as the church on how to live our life in obedience to Jesus Christ. And if we're honest with ourselves today, it's nothing that we can read once We've got it locked in. Amen? It's, it's almost, it's like my golf game. The more I play, the better I get. But whenever I have a dry spell, Lord have mercy. Next round out, it's pretty ugly, Brother Josh. It's, uh, I'm telling you, it, you, don't, you don't want to witness it. I don't want you to witness it. I just had the best golf game I had in my life a couple weeks ago, and I was by myself. 
I told somebody that, and they said, well, if you're by yourself, it didn't happen. I guess I'm in trouble. It's like your trade craft. There's different tradesmen in the room this morning. We've got electricians and maintenance people, drivers, car assemblers, car painters, rebuilders, masters of everything, molded. The more you do it, the better you are at it. Right? But if you don't do it for a while, and you come back to it, it kind of seems a little foreign. Right? So the Word of God is, is so rich and it's so powerful. How many have ever encountered something where you, you've read it, you've read it, but then, I don't know, a month or so, a year or so, a decade or so later, you read it again, and you're like, oh, I've never seen that before. I just heard pastor say that a couple of services ago. He's like, I've never seen this before. How many, he's been preaching since he was 12 years old. He's never seen that before. That's how rich the Word of God is. So we can't believe this morning that one-time instruction that we've got it, that one-time reading we've got it, we have to continue in our salvation. And to do that, we need to understand how we live. To do that, we need to have the instruction of God's Word. Even when I hear things I already know, it's good for me to hear it. Because I may know it. A bishop, that doesn't mean I'm doing it. Can somebody say amen? And sometimes knowing it, and knowing in my heart that I'm not doing it, and hearing someone say it one more time, gives me that little bit enough of conviction, enough to know, hey, I, I know better than this. I should do that. I, I need to correct. I need to repent. I need to go tell somebody I'm sorry. I need to do something. It, it, it puts me in a position where I need to take some action. So believers who have already received salvation, we need to look very close at the apostles' records in the epistles to teach us how to live in this world. Because let me, let me tell you something. We are living, we are living in, uh, oh, what's the right word? Uh, odd times, <laughs> uh, weird times, unprecedented times. We're living in a day that we've never seen before on many fronts. But yet we can still turn to the Word of God and find instruction that is relevant for us on how we should conduct ourselves even in the 21st century. Now tell me the Bible's not written by the inspired spirit and presence of God. Because I doubt any of us even 10 years ago could have predicted some of the things that we're seeing today. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things, what's he referring to? He's referring to earthly accomplishments. All these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? Conversation there. Let me point this out because this is an important point of reference. Conversation, it's not just your words. The inference here in all holy conversation, it's not just your words. Now, 
Granted, it needs to include your words. But it is also our behavior. Because here's the fact, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm guilty of this just as much as you, so this is not a, not a, a finger pointing of judgment this morning, but we need to acknowledge the fact that we don't always have to say it across our lips to say it. Behavior can, can say a whole... I know some of you can relate to that this morning. You're not shaking your head, but that's all right. All holy conversation and godliness. So there are things today that there are things today that we should be separated to. Now, Pastor mentioned this last Sunday that there are things that we should be separated to and things that we should be separated from. I think he mentioned this kind of in his, his closing statements last Sunday. So we're gonna I'm gonna try to get into a little bit of this, and we're gonna start with things that we should be separated to. But before I, I get too far into this, let me, let me say this, because I, I want to I piggyback on something he said last week, because I find it to be so relevant, that you cannot fully separate to until you have separated from. Right? That, that's, that's just the mechanics of it. You, you, you cannot go to until you have come from something. But if you are in the, in the motion of coming from something, this is what I want you to get before we go into this. If you're trying to come from something, but you're not attaching yourself to something, then you're not away from the from yet. Do you follow that? Did you have breakfast early enough this morning? Right? Because if you're not latched on to something to hold on, then whatever you're trying to come from is going to continue to pull back. Call it spiritual gravity, whatever you want to call it. It's going to pull you back. But if you'll latch on to the things that we're about to talk about this morning, then separating from will be in a less difficult battle. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but less difficult. But whenever you are trying to leave something and you don't have anything to go to, you're just stuck in the abyss of undecisiveness. Well, do I or don't I? You have to make a choice. We as Christians have to make a choice. I'm either going to do this or I'm going to stop. And if I'm going to stop doing this, what am I going to replace it with? That's one thing my parents did right whenever I was growing up. I won't talk about what they did wrong, but one thing they did right for me as a child when I was growing up is if there was something, Bishop, that we didn't believe in, and my school system or friends or somebody was doing something, especially the school system, if they were doing something that we did not believe in and my parents would not allow me to participate, they didn't just make me stay, sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. They replaced it with something. If, they, if the school was going to the movie theater and we don't go to the movie theater and, and instead of just skipping school that day, they would take me out. We'd go out to lunch. It was probably McDonald's at that time. But we'd go to lunch, get a happy meal. We'd spend the day together. We'd do something, and there was a replacement there. We need to get replacement in our spirit today. Because if I'm going to walk away from the world, I need to replace that with something else, and it has to be something by the Word of God. So the Bible tells us, first thing that we need to separate to is a total 
unconditional love for God. Matthew 22 says, in verse number 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. No, if he had just said this is the first commandment, we would have just think that that's the first of many. But whenever you add the emphasis of first and great, it implies there's really not anything more important than this. There's other commandments, and while they may hold relevance in our life, we'll never accomplish those commandments in obedience if we don't get this one right. And that's loving God unconditionally. What does it mean to love unconditionally? It means I love you whether you love me or not. It means I love you whether you do anything for me or not. Because society is full of conditional love today. What do you do for me? Oh, I love you. But if you don't do anything for me, total unconditional love for God means I've got to stand before Him with a clear conscience and say, God, if you don't ever heal me again, I'm going to love you. If, 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 if all, all of my life falls apart tomorrow, I'm going to love you. You see, I've, I've made those statements before and, and left here and had that happen. And I'll still stand here flat-footed today and tell you the same thing. Because it was because of Him I made it through. It was because of Him I can still stand here today. It's because of Him I'm still breathing. It's because of Him I woke up today. It's because of Him I still have an opportunity to see His mercy in my life and still be saved. Unconditional love for the Lord. Number two thing to separate to is a love for God's people. The church of God. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We are in danger if we allow society's norms to creep into the church that we only demonstrate love to people we agree with. Because that's the norm of society. If you agree with me, we're fine. If you don't, then we have a problem. And I'm not trying to get political this morning because that goes way beyond politics. But that has, that has indoctrinated this generation and our society that we have to agree with each other in order to get along. I may not agree with everything you do and everything you stand for, but you're still my brother in Christ. And I can still stand in the same house with you and worship God. Right? Amen? So we, we have to mature. And I say have to because it's a must. If we're going to be successful in our walk with God, we need to get to the point where that when somebody grabs this microphone that you don't like, you can still say amen. Now that'll put your spirit to the test. I wasn't talking about me, but I guess that, that applies as well. God bless you. 
1 Peter 1 and 22 says, see if I stand back far enough, I don't have to grab my glasses. It says, see, seeing ye have purified, maybe I do, I can read it back there, your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Love. Loving you doesn't mean that I agree with you. We have to understand that. We need to understand that today. We would have a lot less conflict in our worship. This isn't in my notes, but hear, hear me this morning, church. In the, in the building and joining us online, we would have a lot less conflict in our worship if we could understand that I don't have to agree with you to love you. Well, what are you calling conflict in worship? What I'm calling conflict in worship is whenever we don't like someone and they're worshiping and getting blessed and we've got a problem with it. Now, we can say that that doesn't happen all we want to, but it does. I'll, I'll be human enough and man enough to tell you that it's happened to me, that I've had those thoughts. Well, who do they think they are? I know what they just did yesterday. But what I don't know is what I don't know. Amen? Amen? And what I don't know is from what they did yesterday to this morning, I don't know what God's done to them. I don't know what opportunity their worship right now isn't working on their life. I feel a wave of the Holy Ghost right now wanting to tell us today, we need to be less judgmental and more supportive. And that's got to go. Hear, hear me. Thank, thank you for the hand clap this morning. But hear me. That's got to go beyond the amen right now. That's got to get in our behavior. That's got to get in my behavior. No, oh God help me today. To get that in my behavior that I can love someone. That I can love someone who walks away from you. Because here's the thing, here's the thing. We often take that personal. That they've walked away from us. That they've walked, because church is a family, right? So it gets personal. And, and perhaps it should be personal. But where it gets wrong is when it's personal and it gets bitter. And do we think we're going to win them back to God by acting bitter about their circumstances? I do not have to agree with you to love you. And that's important today. <clears throat> Let me move on while I've still got a voice. Number three, to separate ourselves too. Everything that I'm talking about right now is separating two. Matthew chapter 5 and 44, we need to separate ourselves to those who consider themselves our enemies. It says, but I say unto you, love, 
Now this, this, just, this just segues nicely with what I was just talking about. Love your enemies. Because you see, an enemy is not just a person that you don't like. An enemy can be somebody that you love that don't like you. Bless them that curse you. How? Lord have mercy, I won't get myself in trouble today. How do you respond? When you're driving down the road and someone expresses themselves to you in a form of sign language and expresses their disapproval to your driving habits. Hallelujah. (laughs) Bless them that curse you. I'd be a liar today if I stood here and told you that every time that happened to me that I said, oh, bless them, Jesus. Now, I'll tell you from my heart of hearts, I wish I could say that. And I might get that right about, I'm not going to tell you the odds. I might get it every once in a while. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. It might be few and far between. He needs to work on me. We need to bless them that curse us. Do good to them that hate you. You know there's people that will hate you just for his name's sake? I've had people hate me in my walk of life that didn't even, I didn't, they didn't even know me. They didn't give me a chance for them to hate me. Now, if, if that's the case, I've rubbed enough people wrong in my lifetime, and I'm not proud of it, but I know I, I could put somebody in the position that they could dislike me. It's happened. I've got people, Sister Sam, that's hated me, don't even know my name. But what they did know is what church I went to. And the representation of the name associated with that church. Let me tell you what, I'm still proud to say that I'm one of them. I know that's a song we haven't sang in years. Maybe you need to get your hymnal out and look at it, but I'm one of them. I'm glad to say I'm a believer. I'm glad to say that I've been blood-bought, born again today. And if there's people, people that's going to hate me for his namesake, that's fine. But it, what, what my responsibility in the matter is, is to love them, do good to them. Dear God, that's harder, than it, harder to do than it is to say. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Let me tell you, he said a mouthful in this one verse. When is the last time, take inventory right now, somebody lied on you and manipulated you and used you to get something for themselves and you prayed for them? Man, that takes the air out of me so much I need to get my inhaler back out. That'll knock the wind out of you. Pray for them which deceitfully, despitefully use you and persecute you. Romans chapter 12, verse number 17. The hits just keep coming, but it's good stuff. We're talking about Christian living this morning, right? And we're, we're talking about needing to hear some things that we know because sometimes knowing it doesn't mean that we're doing it. 
And it's not for me to judge today whether you are or whether you aren't. I'm, I'm judging myself today by the Word of God. But Romans continues to teach us and talk to us and says, Recompense or pay to no man evil for evil. Now we, we, gla- we glance through these verses sometimes like a deer jumping through the meadows and we just do it quickly. But we need to slow down a little bit. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm intentionally slowing down right now because I want us to get the wording and I want us to understand the depth of meaning behind the statements. Pay to no man evil for evil. Well, that sounds, okay, well, recompense to no man evil for evil. And we, we keep going and we keep reading. We, we don't stop and understand what it's saying is that what is our nature? What is our, what's, what, what is a, and, and I don't want to be gender specific this morning, but I'm a man, so I'll just talk about men for a second. What is most men, what is our, 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 our nature response, Brother Mike, when another guy gets in our face? Somebody gets in my face, and their neck's popping out on their neck, and they're raising their voice at me. It is possible that I'm not standing there saying, Would you please calm down, sir? I'll say it's more than possible. It's probable that that's probably not what I'm doing. There's something that happens that causes the reaction to want to mirror what you're receiving. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's our our nature response. And it depends on how ugly what we're receiving gets on how ugly what we do sometimes. Because if we... we, if we pull our, 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 our feathers on our wings back and we take our halo off for just a moment and understand and admit today that uh, sometimes we can lose it before we know we've lost it. Until later to think, oh, did, did I really say that? Right? But the Bible is telling us To recompense to no man evil as a payment for evil. I'll carry on. Just want want us to understand it today. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you. Now he's given us a little bit of an escape clause here to know that we're human. But it's not a justification. Live peaceably with all men. What does it mean to live peaceably with all men? Sometimes, sometimes it means, sometimes it means I have to close my mouth. Or I need need to try. And that's a learning endeavor. Living peaceably with all men, sometimes that means asking for forgiveness whenever I'm not really clear I did anything wrong. Bless God, I'm not, I'm not telling my wife I'm sorry because I didn't do anything wrong. More divorces in divorce court today over people who refuse to live peaceably in the home out of pride and ego and recompensing evil for evil. I'll show him, I'll show her, 
right? It's in the home, it's out of the home. But the Word of God is accosting us today to live peaceably with all men. Let me carry on. I'm, 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 I'm dragging on here. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. There's some battles that's best left to Him. And those, let me tell you something, those aren't just church battles. That's not just worship. I, I've had... And if my, my wife was in here, she would, I know she would agree with me and she would remember it, but I've had a couple of occasions in my working life in the secular environment that I have had employers, I've had bosses that have been, uh, what do you say, uh, less than trustworthy, right? That's probably the, the politest way I can say it today, that has put me in a position where that I have prayed that God would avenge me of my enemy. You can find it. The psalmist David prayed that prayer. And I have prayed that God would let truth prevail. And not because of me. Not because of the power of whatever words I used in a prayer. But because of the word of God and standing on his word. In those circumstances, Bishop, truth prevailed. God's word was sure. God's word was right. And what happened? Those, those dudes lost their job. I didn't pray they lost their job. I just prayed that God would shelter me from my enemy. That God wouldn't allow someone else to use me as a case to lie on. And truth prevailed. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. It's, it's some, some battles aren't meant for us to fight. We need to take that into our home. And we need to take that onto our job, into our businesses, into our daily life. Some battles just aren't ours to fight. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Number four thing to separate ourselves to, to really latch on to today is a forgiving spirit toward all men. Lord, I wish that our society would, would grasp this today. I don't care who you voted for. Well, maybe on a personal level I do. But in this context, it makes no difference to me who you voted for I can still love you. And if, if those things separate us, then we've got bigger problems. Amen? Because at some point, and I will, I will never forget Bishop hearing hearing Pastor Sizemore make this statement. Now, it's, I feel like it's been years ago. I will never forget hearing him make this statement. At some point, the wrong man's going to be in office. We, we've read Revelations. We know what the future looks like. At some point, the wrong person's going to be in office. I'm not saying this morning politically who that is or who that isn't. In this context, that's not my place. I'm just saying I'm not always going to win. 
I'm not always going to get what Jerry Mason wants at the voting booth. And I can't allow that to separate me from James Malone. I've got... I don't know anything about your voting habits, so this is just purely an example for anybody watching this morning. But I've got to love him. For him. We need to remember who each other are and not what the things are that divide us. Because there's a, there's a scripture, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians, where, where Paul was addressing the church about divisions. And he didn't talk about God separating the divisions. He said, you, you fix it. There are some things, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to fix. And we can only fix those today by making right choices. And right choices can be made only by practicing the Christian principles that God has laid out for us in His Word. Somebody say amen. So I need a forgiving spirit toward men. Ephesians 4.32 And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Matthew 18.21 Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now, I don't know, I'm not Jesus, and I haven't, I haven't spent time with him in the flesh one-on-one to be able to ask this question. But I don't know today that his intentions were for us to mathematically calculate seventy times seven and chart it out. I will say that if you're going to chart out, what is that, 490, something like that? I will say that if you're going to chart that out, I I think by the time you get into the hundreds, hopefully you're getting some things resolved. I think that's the real spirit behind the matter, is one-time forgiveness isn't enough. Forgive. Forget, well, I'm not going to be taken advantage of. Well, yeah, I'm not saying you should be a doormat either, but there's a difference in forgiveness and Submitting to things you don't need to submit to. I can forgive someone who's done me wrong. That may not mean I'm going to give them an occasion to do it again. But I can still forgive them. And move on. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Watch this now. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Number five, separate two. A peace-making spirit. Matthew 5 and 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Romans 12, 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, we've already read this once this morning, live peaceably with all men. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Continuing on today, we need to separate ourselves, and this is, this is perhaps... in. These are not numbered in, in order of importance or relevance or uh, as action steps, but this perhaps might need to be at the top of the list 
because without this, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. We need to separate ourselves to a teachable attitude. Because the day that we ever get to the point where we think we've, we either know it all or we know everything we need to know, we've lost something. Hebrews 13 and 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Considering the end of their conversation. I, <coughs> excuse me, I need to be teachable. I need to be as good of a follower as I am a leader. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about Mason right now. Just as an example, I lead a whole lot of people in my daily life, but I still have to be a follower. And there are still some decisions sometimes that are made on my behalf. I'm not talking about in the church right now. I'm, I'm just talking about life, employment. There are decisions sometimes that are made on my behalf that, quite frankly, I don't like. But I can't get so arrogant in my leadership that I don't think that I can't submit to following. And if we're not careful, we'll come into the church and we'll think because we've read it on social media that we know what's going on. And we'll resist the teaching of God's word and classify it as antiquated and old and not relevant and not up to date. That's a dangerous place, and I want to caution the church on that this morning. We need, to, we need to let the Word of God prevail. How was it the writer said, let the Word of God be true, and every man a liar? Something to that effect? So we, 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 need, we need to latch on to what God is saying more than what the world is saying. Book of James, chapter 1 and 22, and I'm, I'm, I'm hastening to a close. I'm going to have you to lunch before you know it. The book of James, chapter 1 and 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Verse number 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his we need to separate ourselves today to a spiritual mind. Romans 12.2 talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 8.6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little tip this morning. Don't wait till you get to church to start thinking about God. Start getting warmed up a little bit before you get here. 
At least think about him. At least love on him a little bit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8 and 6. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. I close with this one this morning. We're not going to get through the separate two section. Pastor, I'll leave the balance for you, sir. But I want to, I want to finish with this one today. A cooperative attitude. These are things we're separating ourselves to. Because these are the traits of a Christian. And I would dare say that if we were to put these on a checklist and, and, and take inventory today, there's probably some we're doing alright with and there's probably some we're not. And that probably applies to every person in this room, including this guy holding this microphone today. But that does not take away from the validity of God's word. These are behaviors of Christian living, a cooperative attitude. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 10 reads this way, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be, this is the verse I was, I was alluding to just a few moments ago, and that there be no divisions among you. Because you see, we live in a society today that's divided. And let, let, me, let me say this, and I say this carefully because I'm really trying really hard not to be political because this is not the time and the place. But we were divided before the election. The election just exposed what was already there. Whenever I say we were divided, I'm not talking about the church body. I'm talking about our nation, our people, our culture. And we will continue to be divided as long as we speak division. Oh, I'd, I'd love to just spend some time on that, but uh, my, my timer just went red back there, and Brother Zach's telling me I need to shut up. So uh, I, I, I just, I'm just telling you today, be careful what you latch yourself onto, because what might not appear to be divisive may be divisive. I've got to move on. I don't want to, but I've got to. I beseech you, let me, let me start this verse again. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The reason why we struggle in our worship sometimes when the body comes together is because we're not of the same mind. And I could give you one good tip today on how to get to the same mind. Well, you, you, you said that you don't have to agree with me to love you. That's still true. But how we can be of the same mind whenever we're in his presence is focus on the same thing. We don't have to focus on the things we don't agree with. What are we here for? We're here for him. So there's no harm in us all focusing on him. It's really that basic today. We make it too complicated sometimes. Romans 12, 16, the plane's about to land. Stand with me this morning. That'll make you feel better. Romans 12, 16 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. I need to come before God today. And every time I'm here, and every day of my life, with the principles of Christian living, I need to have a teachable spirit. I need to have a cooperative attitude. Otherwise, whenever I'm told that I'm wrong, whether it is directly by the man of God, 
Because sometimes we do this. Whether it's by a, a bony finger pointing at my face, whether it's person to person, or whether it's just by God's word impressing upon me, I have the choice. You have the choice. When you're told you're wrong, you have the power of choice to do one of two things. Submit or rebel. Those are the only two choices. There, there is no middle ground. There's no gray area there. You either, you either acquiesce and say, I surrender. Yes, you're right, God. I was wrong, please forgive me, and you work to correct your behavior and you move, or you, and you move on, or you say, no, no, I, I wasn't wrong. Because we can be masters of argument, and some of us, myself included, I can pitch a pretty good argument, and I can say, no, God, you, you, got, you, you messed this one up, Lord. You got this one wrong. I had it right. Check your records again. We may not say those words, but our behavior implies that. But if I really am interested in Christian living, I'm going to come into His presence. And I'm going to say, God, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. And I've made, a, I've made more mistakes than I care to think about today. But God, you still reign supreme. And it's, that's the attitude God's looking for. He, ladies and gentlemen, I know there are certain references in the Word of God that talk about perfection. I don't think He's looking for perfection so much as He is effort. Because the truth of the matter is, Jerry A. Mason will never be perfect. I'm sorry to disappoint you today. Don't watch me. I promise you I will disappoint you. Don't watch me. But if we can watch Him together then we can live together, we can worship together, we can walk together. Would you lift your hands right now and let's just pray to him. Let's worship him right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.